Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I'm so glad you've joined me for another episode today to talk through everything that is happening in our business 4x400 across five brands in our portfolio. I have the great privilege and pleasure of being the person in charge of um, leading 4x400. And so every week on this show, if you are new, what I do is tell you about what it's really like, what's really going on in our businesses and our brands, what we're trying, what's working, what's not working, give you as much insight and clarity into the actual numbers in real time as possible. And I promise always to tell you when it's going badly, just like when I'm telling you when it's going well. Uh, That way, you know, this is an honest podcast and not just somebody gloating about their wins. Um, Man, if maybe somewhere else out there, the other podcasters who are doing this sort of thing are winning all the time, but I'm certainly not. So I'm happy to tell you about, but we do win some. So I'm happy to tell you about both, though, the wins and the losses. And today on the show, I'm going to tell you about uh, Bamboo Earth, our skincare brand. We are considering whether or not we should run a sale to take some cash in the short term which I mostly don't want to do, uh, or um, keep our heads down, keep chipping away at longer-term plans, and how I weigh that decision. So I'm going to bring you into it right now. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of context for this discussion. Bamboo Earth has had a really good year, and um, in the beginning of the year, we saw massive, massive growth. And I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but really basically right after Christmas and into January, right when it gets really, really bad for every other e-commerce brand in the world, um, Baby Worth started smashing. I was recording episodes about just like how to get free UGC and turn it into money and um, and just like, it was just win, 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 win. I'm really at the very worst time of year for other brands. So, um, So I went from there and what I thought at first was happening was that we had a massive win on the creative side and that had really pushed us forward. We were running this UGC type stuff. If you've um, followed Bamboo at all, if you've gone to our site and you've gotten served a bunch of UGC ads, that's where that came from, um, where we're just getting real reviews from real customers talking through the products. And, um, And so we immediately started scaling that. I mean, we just started going after UGC from all over the place to try to get that content from real customers, run it as ads and and have it keep going. But um, pretty early on in January, we started to see our ROAS degrade. You know, day up, day by day, or really week over week, we would just see um, some tailing off. And so my initial assumption was that the reason that was happening was because there was ad fatigue on on key ads and that um, people had seen this ad too many times and you can't run a, an account around one ad. So, so we start doing the things that you do when you see that problem, which is you start getting more ads. And so we were doing that. We, like I said, we got a bunch more UGC um, and, and just kept hammering away at making sure that we could keep that going. We thought, here we go. We solved it. We've got, you know, $10,000 a day of good customer acquisition happening here. And that's going to create all kinds of values. And we're just going to laugh and laugh and laugh all the way to the bank. Well, as you can hear from my tone, that is not what happened. Um, what I have since realized is that while there was a real step forward with that creative, the reason it looked so massive uh, is that um, at the same time, we were in the lowest CPM start of the year. And, and frankly, I am too experienced not to have noticed this, but I so how it goes. This is one of the challenges of running younger brands is that you don't have lots of historical data to work from. So as these seasonality trends pop up, it's hard to figure out whether to attribute them to seasonality or other factors. And in this case, because it coincided with the launch of some new creative that really did work well, 
I assumed, I mean, it really did hit right at the same time. And, we, and we'd made a bunch of other changes to Bamboo at the time as well. So I assumed that, that what was going on was that this new creative was the thing that was really um, driving the growth. But what I actually think is that we got an incremental gain from the new creative, that it really did help, but that the massive part of that was that our CPMs basically got cut in half. That is, the cost of advertising on Facebook and Instagram got slashed. And when you think about the seasonality I just mentioned, that makes perfect sense. Because, like I said, the end of December right after Christmas um, into January is that that being the, the, the turning point of where this change happened should have triggered something in me that something was up here because um, that is a massive change in the advertising performance for pretty much every brand everywhere uh, because people are coming out of seasonality. So it goes from being the most expensive it is all year to advertise on um, online to very quickly the least expensive because of course a click is worth a lot less to everybody right after Christmas. Like there's, there's just no no two ways um, about that, right? That like once you get outside of seasonal shopping behavior, holiday shopping behavior, every everything um, gets less valuable. So everybody backs off their ad spend. There are, however, a few little exception brands. And of course, like famously fitness brands do very well after Christmas into the new year because people are making New Year's resolutions. Uh, and skincare is not quite that level of extreme, but it's in there. People think of skincare, some customers at least, in a similar category where they decide to commit anew to a routine of skincare as self-care or as health or whatever. Um, and, you know, I love that actually. From our position as Bamboo, I think it's probably the right way to think about what that product and category is. is um, not just about making yourself look better or something, but about sort of taking care of yourself and and all that. So we, we think that's great. Um, and... And we had this massive month where suddenly we were just acquiring huge, huge volumes of new customers. Um, you know, uh, our holiday was pretty good for Bamboo, but it was not nearly um, as good as what happened immediately after that when we, uh, when we had that changeover. So let me actually go ahead and give you some numbers around this to give you a sense of what I'm talking about. Uh, in September of 2020, last year, we did about just under 100,000 uh, in new customer revenue, okay? So about 100. And then in October, 144, picking up some. November, 179, and we ran a huge sale then. So uh, a lot of that was discounted. People probably just taking the offers themselves. But even that, October, 179, compared to, uh, or excuse me, November, 179,000 versus October, 144,000. That's not that big of a jump from October. And what you're seeing right away there is that basically, um, you know, we Bamboo, a CPG brand, a skincare brand, simply doesn't have the crazy seasonality swing in terms of holiday, at least, that most consumer goods brands do. So, um, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't like some insane performance. We didn't have an insane Black Friday, et cetera, okay? And then where it starts to get crazy is that in December, when our big Black Friday sale had mostly ended... We did 261 in new customer revenue. And if I break that out by week, um, what you would see is that um, unlike what most brands have, the vast majority of that happened after December 14th, um, the week of December 14th. So, so it starts to be like December 21st that week, um, which is a Monday, you, you end up getting um, a huge portion of uh, revenue. We did actually that one week, $107,000, which is more than our entire September. 
um, in that one week. And then it picked up even more there at the end of December. So the total December, we did 261. And the, the, the vast majority of that, like 200 of that, more than that, was in the back half of the month. Okay, So I was interpreting that, and it's so obvious now when I'm talking about it, I was interpreting that as because of this new creative we had launched. Okay, But, uh, and, so, and then January gets even crazier. January we did 470. February we did uh, 387. And then in March, you start to see a big drop off down to 247. And, uh, and it's gone down uh, even more down to April at 181. So there's the slope is a bell curve over those bunch of months. May looks like it'll finish right around April. Um, and and the, uh, the bell curve is, is, the, is starting in September, sloping up through January at the peak, with February as very good as well, and then back down until uh, you're getting to April and May here. Uh, now, here, here's the reason I give you all of that context for this discussion. Because when I was looking at December and January, I started projecting out the, out the year, and I only had one year of previous data, December, January of 2019. And that was really when we were still in a very early phase for Bamboo Earth. So we like it, those were good months for us. And they were good relative to the preceding months, but I kind of threw it out because we didn't even have a full year of data. I, I didn't have a previous month. I didn't really know how much the seasonality trend was like a real factor there. Our ad account is really good in those months, relatively speaking, but not mind-blowing. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I knew. I thought we would have some good January bump and, um, and you know, Amber was even telling me like, hey, you know, January's a great month for skincare, but I'm just... I hear those kinds of things, and, and for better or for worse, in this case, probably for worse, it, I'm, I can be a little dismissive if I haven't seen it in the data. Um, but in this case, now what I, what I saw happen is that we had a massive January. And I think the basic driver for that is that suddenly an ad account that was running at basically one-to-one, which, is, which works for us on a one-day level because of our LTV, like it's kind of where we run the ad account, suddenly started running at like two-to-one. And then over with delayed attribution, two and a half, three to one. Like we were seeing by far the most profitable spend we'd ever seen. So actually, even that January spend that we had where we got up to 470 grand in new customer revenue, I, we could have gone a lot further. We just couldn't support it inventory-wise because we didn't see it coming um, and production-wise, et cetera. So, um, so we had this big thing. And what I started doing was projecting out from there going, oh, we're winning because of new creative. We'll be able to keep up some level of this. Probably not this level of this. Don't get me wrong. I backed it off. But I thought between that performance increase plus the new customer or the returning customer revenue we'd have from it, we'd be able to move a lot better all through the year. And that has not happened. So we're still in good shape overall. Like everything year over year looks good in some respects. Now there's actually year, year over year looks okay, but there's another factor here of course, which is that the other problem is I could, I wasn't able to reasonably project sort of our new, our customer acquisition this year for an obvious reason, which is that last year, March, April, May, you know, what was happening. Coronavirus was just starting. And as the pandemic just launched, it completely threw off all everybody's projections for the year and everybody's everything for the year, right? Suddenly there was massive demand, but supply chains were constrained. And so, I mean, you know, all, it's just a mess. It's just a huge mess. Um, so I really felt totally unable to use historical data. And the year before that, we didn't. We literally didn't have enough data. We had, we really acquired Bamboo and started moving uh, March 2019. So we we just didn't have any data for what this time of year would look like that we could rely on for future projection. And that meant that we over projected in a number of ways. And I mean, I thought I even didn't. 
I didn't think I projected that crazy, but because I think um, that growth was driven so much by uh, new customer acquisition or by uh, by CPMs uh, and counter cyclical seasonality that Bamboo has, uh, I kind of had this problem. So now that leaves us in a place where we've projected out a bunch of growth in a lot of different ways, and um, and we're seeing a struggle to stay at that same pace. Now we're spending closer to five grand a day on new customer acquisition. And, um, and it's still, you know, good. Like relatively speaking, we're, we're, again, if you take a longer timeline, we're in really good shape. And, I'm, and now you better believe that I'm projecting a massive end of December and a, a massive January for next year. And we will be ready to rock and roll for those things. But in the meantime, there's a challenge, which is what do we do about some over projection that happened? And everything else that affects organizationally. Because the reality is, I mean, our supply chain side, our production side, our fulfillment side, our, our investment in, in North Carolina to build out a great fulfillment facility, like all of these things in some ways hinge on volume and we get more value out of them with volume. So the volume has to be able to support that. So I'm doing two things. The first is um, I'm investing in the long-term stuff. Okay, so this is this is the, the sine qua non, right? The without which not, that, that's that's... You have to do this, is what I mean. Um, there's just there's just no two ways about it. You've got to start figuring out a lot of other stuff. We we at Bamboo we've been over leveraged for sure on uh, Facebook as a as a driver, <clears throat> and for and we've been working on that for a little while. But um, I thought we'd be okay, and that would be less urgent. Uh, but uh, you know, for a little bit here, but but it, it hasn't been. It's been pretty urgent for us to stay on top of it. So um, we're doing a few things. So I've mentioned this before. Like we're, we're hammering away at our email list right now, including our email capture. We are. Um, I'm working really hard on our search ads, uh, and I'm I'm getting there. Like kind of week over week, if you look, we're doing better each week. The performance looks better in that account. It's more and more viable. We're getting rid of negative keywords. Doing the kind of tedious work that's required to, to bring your search search account to where you want to go. And now you kind of look at our shopping ads and go like, oh, there's something there. You're you're getting there. There's there's the beginnings of an account there that, that could be a sustainable source of of clicks. Now about 10% of our traffic is from is from categorical search. And I think we could at least sustain that probably going forward. And uh, if we can make that a little more profitable, that'd be really good. That went from 0% basically uh, a few weeks ago. So so we're getting somewhere. Um, uh, we got got some work to do, but we're getting somewhere. Um, we are working more on kind of, um, coalescing a real influencer strategy using some of the stuff we've heard from our friends at kinship around seeding. And, um, and you know, I'm actually less worried about the outreach component of this and, and more, I'm more concerned about sort of the management afterwards and what we're going to do with the content if, and when we get it. So trying to build out sort of the back end of that so that as we start approaching more influencers, we can, um, we can build that. I'm working on an affiliate strategy, uh, that, that I think is, is pretty viable for us, um, in the sort of immediate term, uh, related to some key terms for us. I'm working on, um, we're working with a great, uh, an, a CRO agency that we've, we've liked a lot so far testing, trying to make our website better and, and more user friendly and create better content that people are going to like. We will invest in content production. Um, we will invest in all of these things that are going over and over again, Amazon, we're building out our Amazon business for bamboo. It just all takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, but that's what we're doing. And I am convinced that over the long term, we are pulling every single right lever. It's like at some point, we just have to have a categorical search account that works. Our email for bamboo, because of the returning customer revenue, just is something we should be hammering away at for forever. Same with our SMS. Um, CRO is going to have long-term dividends. If we are able to convert more traffic on our website, it's going to make all of our traffic, new customer, returning customer, everything, more valuable. So we just need a couple little wins there and suddenly you've moved the whole account forward and the whole brand forward in a real way. Um, 
you know, Amazon, if there's a, I mean, there's a plenty, I'm certain of search, uh, skin search volume around skincare products on Amazon. There's plenty of customers who probably would just much rather buy on Amazon. So how we handle that and some of the ins and outs of that, there's questions about, but I'm confident there's a viable additional revenue stream there. And you put all these things together, um, you know, influencers, like I said, wholesale at some point, all this stuff, like there's all kinds of, uh, stuff that we can do, but what about bridging the gap from now until those things are in place? We've got some new product development coming, by the way, that I'm really excited about. And at some point, we're going to get to the end of December and we're going to get to January. So it's really just about getting through this phase. Um, and so there, this is the question. In light of that, as we see cash get a little lower, should we, um, you know, all of these things, sorry, one more thought. All of these things are part of this idea of being anti-fragile that Taylor's talked about, um, and Taylor and I talked about it in the episode before. Um, you know, if we can diversify our traffic and sales channels, it's going to make us significantly more anti-fragile or significantly less fragile, as the case may be. Not just less fragile, but anti-fragile. Um, so, so, um, so that all is going to matter. But in the meantime, part of the way that you say anti-fragile is by getting there. And so there's this question. Do we run a sale? Now, I hate the idea of running a sale just generally, if we can help it. Um, I am increasingly exploring ways, as I mentioned last week, to segment our customer list better and offer discounts to portions of it. But what I'm thinking of here is like really a bigger sale. The idea would probably be like a get ready for summer sale. We'd probably do a gift with purchase. And the reason you do that is first of all, our margins are great. So it's high perceived value to the customer to do a gift with purchase, but actually very low cost to us. Um, so, so that's another advantage of doing gift with purchase. Third, um, it, it isn't actually a discount, right? A gift with purchase is different than a discount. It, you don't actually have to mark anything down, which I think is, is really good, especially for those customers who are going to buy their product anyway. Um, you know, loyal customers who come and, and who've been, who've bought 10 times from you and who can, um, who can, uh, who can now get a free thing with it. Like that's a nice little perk for them. That's good. Um, and then, uh, and then the other thing here is that uh, we know that customers who try more of our products come back more. So I don't know if you'll have quite the same LTV effect with a free product being given out, but we like the idea of getting more products into people's hands in general because we think it will produce um, higher long-term value, lifetime value for our customers. And that, that's sort of intuitive. I've mentioned this before, but if a customer tries more of our products, there's, they're more likely to find one that they like. Um, you know, if you try one product, you may or may not like it. If you try three products, you may or may not like all three of them, which means you may like all three of them, which means there's a chance that you'll go at least one for three and somebody will, you know, keep using their Sephora moisturizer or I don't know, whatever, whatever the competitor is. Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, they'll, I, I was just stopping because I don't even know if Sephora makes moisturizer or if it's just all makeup. That's how little I know. Um, <laughs> that's, it's not my part of the job anyway. Um, uh, if, uh, if they, you know, maybe they stick with their moisturizer from another brand, but they love our cleanser or our toner or whatever. Uh, and so, so that becomes part of the routine. They come back to that for forever. That's a win for us. So in this case, what we would probably do is build a, a gift with purchase around our facial mist, uh, product, which is, um, a summer specific product. Amber is certain that a lot of people would use it. I think right now, not too many of our customers are necessarily consistently using that. I, I need to check the data still. We're still formulating this plan. Um, but I don't think too many of them are using it, which means 
Uh, it's a, it's on the one hand, a reasonably valuable product to people because enough people are using it. It's not like a total laggard product. It's just, that's probably should be phased out. It's, uh, but at the same time, it's not like one of our most popular go-to products. And so it's a nice add-on for somebody who's wanted to try it, but hasn't wanted to spring for it, etc. Or if they're a regular user of it and they're going to get a free one, then they can go and find a new product that they like that they haven't tried before. And then they can get this product they already liked for free. So it works decently well. Now there's a real downside though which is, first of all, huge portions of Bamboo Earth's customer revenue are returning customers. So there is no question, and I mean no question, that one of the things that will happen if we do this is that we will cannibalize some of our own sales. Some people were going to buy the, the facial mist anyway, and they're just going to go now and say, uh, I'm just going to get exactly the same order I was going to get in a week anyway, but I'm going to get half of it for free. That's going to cost us money, okay? Now, on the other hand, um, the... And, and there is always this question, by the way, of brand damage that gets done anytime you discount your product to everybody in every way. Now it just makes everybody wonder, can I wait for the next discount? Uh, it's also a challenge with trying to build a subscription business, which is something I didn't mention. We're really efforting that hard right now. Um, and man, there's just no reason to stay subscribed if the product that I'm about to get for 10% off is, is uh, now uh, free for everybody, right? So we have to be careful about segmenting our emails and trying to sort of you know, be low key about that. And, and even that, I just feel gross about like, if you're a good customer and you're subscribing, you, I don't know, do, do I really want to like make you miss out on a good deal? I guess so, but it's not the ideal way to do it for me. So maybe we segment this kind of thing again, instead of, instead of doing a, um, a full blast to absolutely everybody. And this is one thing we've considered. What if we didn't have a sale for everybody? Um, instead, we really keep segmenting portions of our list. Like I talked about last week, and we just kept doing that. Instead of having a sale for everybody, you just kept finding those people and changing the offer every couple of weeks and have one have less of a big blowout and more of a way to keep sort of just activating different parts of your list that are not buying anything from you. There are p plenty of people who opened our last sale email um, for our Klarna Spring Market Day sale that I mentioned again on the last episode. They There are plenty of people who opened that email um, and, and even clicked on the email and did not buy anything from us. So they're interested. But they said, eh, I'm not interested in this particular deal. Well, what if we change the deal? What if we change the offer? Maybe there's something there. So that's the back and forth. I think we'll probably do it. In the long, long run, the mo you know, the, we can always have less sales later as we keep building out the um, rest of everything we're doing. Um, you know, you, don't, you aren't committed to this for forever. The reality is we've only had one big sale uh, in recent memory, we, um, really. And that, I think that was the end of December. Um, we did a free mask, mud mask with purchase. We had a lot of this product on hand. We needed to move some of it. And so it was, the mentality was, well, why don't we give some of this away, use it as a sale, grab some revenue and, and do that. And we didn't know at the time that we were about to pop into our best revenue time of year, but, uh, we did something like that and it helped. Um, so we, we're not running sales all the time. So it's not like our customers can expect it. Um, but it does allow us to maybe re-engage some people before we release a new product in August, et cetera. Um, so that's the, that's the thought. I think right now we will probably do it uh, and we'll message it around the things that I said and I think it will ultimately be worth it. W one thing here is that we will cannibalize some customer value, but we will also get some customer value. There will be people who we're not gonna buy again who now will buy again because they see an offer on a product that they like. 
And on top of that, sometimes it's okay to cannibalize future customer value. Um, that's what discounting uh, cash flows is in a lot of ways, right? It's 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 really financing something. I can if I can have um, you know X dollars today versus X plus one dollar in the future. Well, the question is. Uh, which one of those in the in the short, mid, and long term nets out the most value for me because cash has marginal utility, right? So um, by getting the cash in hand now, the cash has value to me that it, it is different. Uh, you know, you have to discount the value of the cash in the future. So there is a kind of finance component here where even if we are bringing forward future sales, maybe that's exactly what we want to do. And if we do that, then that's okay. Um, and, and so there's a little discount there, but, but that's all right. It's, it's worth doing. So that's where I think we're going to go right now. Our, our key is to not get stuck in this cycle for forever. We made a mistake. I made a mistake around projections. I've now learned, I know this about the projections and I can plan differently, forecast differently. And I would not have forecasted so high if it weren't for the, if I weren't for that. And I will not make the same mistake last next year. I just won't. Uh, and uh, and so that's part of the battle. And sometimes I think in all of the talk around almost the ethical, like the immorality of discounting, which is practically the terms that um, that brands put it in, uh, you just lose sight of the fact that, you know what, in the long run, um, it's not going to be the end of the world if you run a discount once. I don't think so anyway. I think you can get out from under it. You just make sure to not make it a habit of doing it all the time and your customers can do well. Very, very good brands discount in all kinds of ways and you can do the same thing even in a high LTV CPG brand. We've done it before. It didn't tank our revenue. In fact, we went right into our best new customer acquisition period um, for a long time. So that's the plan right now. We'll see how it works and I'll let you know. That's all I've got for you today. Uh, I'm uh, very excited for a lot of the stuff that's coming up here. We've got a couple of months that I think are going to be a little tight for 4 400 in a few different ways. Um, and it's going to be a challenge, but uh, we've got a lot of good stuff happening at the same time. We've got new products coming for Genuine Canine. Modern Fuel's rolling right into Father's Day seasonality right now. We're going to see how big of a moment that is for Modern Fuel. We've got um, this all this stuff for Bamboo. I'm really excited about this product release we're working on. Slick is still in some of its peak seasonality and keeps building out this really awesome, not only wholesale business, but something we haven't talked about is an ambassador program that's been really doing great for Slick. Got new content coming. So good stuff happening. 31 bit. Um, all, there's actually some crazy big possibilities happening for 31 bits um, that the possible outcomes there are swinging all over the place. So uh, I will let you know that stuff as it happens in real time, as usual, tell you anything I'm learning from it um, as we see new things hit. Uh, and hopefully it'll be some help to you. I hope this was as well. If it was some help to you, I would love it if you would um, pass it to a friend or uh, give us a rating or review of the normal stuff. Uh, and of course, you can always reach out to me at Andrew J. Ferris on Twitter. Um, and uh, at, uh, or you can email podcast at 4x400.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to answer your questions, anything I can do to help. And we'll, otherwise, we will see you next week.